The stories you're about to hear are entirely true. They are some of history's most notorious and sinister mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual police and witnesses involved have been used in the recreation of these events. Your hosts, senior mystery analysts, Ben Pateski and John Nafziger, have been exploring the paranormal and the unknown for over a year. They dig deep for society's own good, working in the dark to bring the truth to light. This is Drunk Mysteries. Good evening, and welcome to another electric, ecstatic, static electricity-filled episode of Drunk, Drunk Mysteries. Mysteries. My name is John Napsiger, and as always, I am joined with my spry, handsome, young co-host, Ben Pateski. That's right, John. I am extremely young, supple, and innocent, and easily fooled. I agree. So easily, so you can easily take advantage of me. Loyal Curious. guest is what I'm saying. So, so folks, you know what? A lot of children today are starving to death. What are they, what are they starving of? They're starving of hunger, John. Okay. And the reason they're starving is because they're not being fed with that appreciative internet content that they need so much in their lives. And the reason they're not getting the content they need is that people aren't subscribing and reviewing to said content so it can get into the ears of these starving boys and girls and you can and, and save their lives. Are you alluding world hunger to subscriptions and review? Are you saying that to fight world hunger, one should subscribe and review to this podcast? That's exactly right, John, because for every subscription and I can't say I agree, but okay, go on. For every subscription and review that you give to Drunk Mysteries starting tonight, we will give exactly one prayer for all of the starving children of the world. So that that's right, folks. We are willing to pray one time for every subscription and review that you give to Drunk Mysteries for a starving child. I just want to say this is a new love for you. Um, anyway, tonight, uh, Ben, what do you what, what did you pick us up from the liquor store? So, John, tonight I got us something also known as Angel's Beeswax. I speak, of course, of Deschutes Hop Henge Imperial IPA. Mm. Now, it's not. <clears throat> it's Deschutes. delicious. It's not Deschutes. Is it Deschutes? I think it's Deschutes. I think so, it's actually. So Deschutes like it. is a beer so delicious that. It tastes like an angel is kissing you on the mouth before you go to sleep at night. Yeah, it's I like agree. having a story whispered by a grandparent into your ear on a stormy night. Hearing it a is... favorite song um, by a beloved performer. Upon the first sip, you immediately realize there are a few things better in this world. Now, they say heroin. When you do heroin, you experience such a level of joy. That it makes the rest of life hard to appreciate. Okay. It's the same with Deschutes beer. I agree. Deschutes beer. It's I feel like that heroin. though. I feel that though tomorrow, when during the day when I will be without it, uh, I will have a longing, uh, for almost like a uh, for like a high school sweetheart, a long exactly. lost love. It'll be like nothing else in the world matters, and you'll just be blue and feel horrible until you can get your hands on one of these Deschutes for just one last fix. All right, well, anyway, so yeah, check it out. Yeah. Um, anyway, tonight our mystery, our story, begins in 1795 when young Daniel McGuinness witnessed eerie lights emanating from the tiny island of Mahone Bay. 
Um, upon visiting the uh, tiny island the next day, McGinnis discovered a circular depression at the island's southeastern end. Uh, and it was along with freshly cut trees. Who was this Daniel McGinnis, John? He was just a local logger who, was lived, a local who logger. lived in the Nova Scotia Oak Island uh, area. We'll get okay. we'll get so into Daniel believe McGinnis me. is yeah. a young, extremely muscular, but buff. not very oh very buff. Oh my god, like but not very easy on the eyes though. Like this guy, if you've ever seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame, three teeth in my research. Three teeth, one eye is missing. Not a very good looking dude, but just fucking jacked out of his mind. They they call anyway, him the bear. If I'm I'm gonna get, I'm gonna stick with the overview here. So McGinnis on the southeastern island discovers a freshly cut. Uh, 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 fucking cut trees um, and what appeared to be a pulley system constructed over the soft ground. Hmm. The next day, he rallies his friends and McGinnis and co. begin digging. Just two feet in, their shovels struck a flagstone laid across the mouth of the depression. Further down, they uncovered deep pickaxe gouges along the wall of the pit that they were digging. Seemingly as though someone had recently freshly dug this pit. Okay. Then they found a layer of timber embedded in, in the clay, just a flat so timber base. So describe what we're seeing real quick. Basically a bunch of dudes in the early, the late 17th century, 18th century digging a hole. But yeah, the, the most but they, important, here's the thing. They found a bunch of like pulleys and intricate, they and found, intricate they found what They found what looks like somebody had just been there. Okay. But here's the anomaly. They dig for 30 feet. Thirty-five. Why feet. are they digging a hole again? Because they think something's going on. They got okay. Else to do. <laughs> you got nothing yeah, else to do. Bored, in Seventeen ninety-five. No let's go, shit. Let's go it. fucking investigate this hole. Oh, Keep by going. the way, okay. So where we are, just setting. We're basically one hundred fifty miles east of Bangor, Maine. So it's northeast. It's Canada. It's Nova Scotia. Okay. It's a cold logging area of the world. So basically, they dig down for about thirty feet, and the anomaly is that about. Pretty approximately every 10 feet, there is a layer of solid timber that they are then enforced to remove. Something that is unnaturally occurring there. Like, yeah. that isn't going to happen naturally. <laughs> so somebody, so somebody, somebody put it there. Mm-hmm. Is is basically like the one deductible thing. Oh, blatantly. Thing. You don't just find timber planks in the yeah. ground. So tonight, our story spans the long mystery of Oak Island, a small island about 150 miles east of Bangor, Maine, United States. So, folks, right now, before we get into anything, we need to go over what some would call the pirate history in the area. Of Nova Scotia. Of Nova Scotia. So, the history of Nova Scotia is incredibly deep with pirate lore, and some would even say folklore. Mm. According to the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic in Halifax, Canada, pirates routinely visited the region, sometimes even visiting it several times in one day. Wow. They were attracted to its hidden coves and large swaths of unsettled land. Plenty of space to hide. And beautiful native women. Now, Mm. the women of Nova Scotia were once called, we quote from the British um, Dictionary of Unsettled Lands, the jewels of the earth. Their skin is as soft as a three-day-old tomato. May they rest forever on these islands. Right, exactly. folks, what was called the Golden Age of Piracy takes place just before our story begins. It occurred from 1690 to 1730 when Nova Scotia was largely unsettled by Europeans, making it a possible hideout for pirates to hide out or refit. Real quick, before we go any deeper, what's your stance on pirates? Pirates... Okay. Like, so, what do you think? Well, what do you got? I mean, hmm. It, it's, it's, it, I mean, is there kind of like a romanticism around pirates? Absolutely. Are pirates fucking cool? 
Absolutely. Do they do they embody kind of the biker outlaw lifestyle? Yes. You can't help but you know think pirates are fucking dope. That being said, I would be I would hate pirates immediately upon being pirated by a pirate. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like I'm yeah, sure yeah. pirates cause plenty of misery. Upon being their... raided and pillaged. Exactly. You're out on pirates. Exactly. I'm out on pirates. Then you just think they're a bunch of assholes. Yeah, like, let me put it this way, people. The Can't mafia, argue with lot. The mafia is a is incredibly cool until you end up with bricks tied to your ankles and being Someone thrown in a river. Someone gets whacked. Yeah, exactly. Right, so what about, like, what you were talking about the golden age of pirates. So yeah, what, what are some other things that they... So, John, one of the nastiest pirates of the golden, the golden age was none other than a man by the name of Ned Lowe. Ned Lowe was known for raiding fishing fleets who used Nova Scotian harbors as shelters and fishing stations, and some have suggested that he hid treasure in Nova Scotia. Now, John, so we have we have a suspect. Ne- who was this Ned Lowe character? What he was, was he a pirate. Yeah, I know. An outlaw of the high seas. He would just go around Nova Scotian. What was his story, though? Where did he come from? Why I, did Ned okay, Lowe okay. become a pirate? Okay, well, he was obviously born in fucking uh, northern England and or, you know, the Ireland yeah. area, like the northern... Northwestern Europe. They didn't have social security numbers in no, those days. No, exactly. This is early times. And so he, you know, grows up in a dock fishing town. He, from his earliest memories or him hanging out literally on a dock, pulling in fish. His dad dies, leaves him with debt, and so he's forced into a life of crime. Mm. Eventually, his rep sort of becomes too notorious that he can no longer be in the city. There's nowhere to go. So he hitches a ride with a pirate crew. Ned Lowe heads to the high seas. And this is Ned Lowe at, like, maybe age 11. Yeah. He's on a pirate crew. Quickly, by age 14, he rises to the ranks. He proves himself not only skilled in the ways of sailing Mm -hmm. and the riggings of a ship. A real Peter Pan. swabbing the decks. Yes, but without the uh, wings... And he grows old. He doesn't have a fairy. Yeah, he definitely ages. Um, In fact, he ages gracefully into one of the most feared pirates of the North Atlantic. What was his facial hair situation? Um, He had a beard. Uh, It was a color, but he was not known for the color of his beard. He wasn't black beard. Nor was he red beard or gray beard, blonde beard, bronze beard. We don't know the the color of his beard. None of the beards. We don't know it, but... It's definitely clear he did not have access to modern shaving techniques, Mm -hmm. thus a beard. So, the last major piracy trial in Nova Scotia was in 1844, when a gang of six pirates were brought to Halifax in 1844 when their ship, the bark Saladin, was shipwrecked on the eastern shore. It's a good name for a boat. It's a great name for a boat. Yeah. Especially if you're a pirate. Yeah, absolutely. The Bark Saladin. Yeah. So the Saladin had a cargo of silver bars and a large shipment of coins. The crew had mutinied and killed the captain and half of the crew before actually falling out and themselves and then that led to their capture. So it was a double mutiny. Yeah, pretty much. So, bleh, the folklore in the area also has many deep stories about pirate hauntings. Oh, wow. Ben, do you believe in ghosts? Especially pirate ghosts? I mean, there there are three hauntings that come to mind that I know for a fact happened. Number one was George's Island um, was haunted by two young pirates hanging there in 1784. What was their story? So their story was pretty much this. I mean, they were both, um, they were actually both um, people from Mexico. They were former natives that survived the colonization that had just happened before. How did they get to Nova Scotia? (laughs) 
here's well, John. That's a pretty funny story. <laughs> so what happened next was is that these two men, their names were Netu and Wikahu. So Netu and Wikahu, they're both they both come from Mayan culture. And basically, what happens next is is that when the Spanish arrive, they have no idea what to do. Everyone's dying. Bizarro. A lot of people didn't have yeah, anything. Bizarro's killing do. all their people. No one knows how to handle this situation. Ninety percent of the native population is dying. So these two guys, they're both seventeen. They're both seventeen years old. Actually, born, young, both, supple. So both born on the same day. Actually, believe it or not, and they wow. weren't twins, but by different parents. Fortuitous. Yeah. So these two guys, they just become you know the best of buds. Um, eventually, you know, they make it across the country. They, they, they have to sail there most of the way through the Gulf of Mexico and then up and around. They didn't around, walk, that's then, for sure. Yeah, and then up and around the Atlantic. And while they're doing this, they, you know, eventually a storm catches them when they get off the coast of Mexico. And they get, they get picked up after a while. They get rescued by these handsome pirates. And these beautiful pirates. There's a bunch of ladies there, too. All pirates are They attractive. pick them up. The crew was called the... The La Casa Santa Maria. It was the House of Saint Maria. And um, the pirates were Spanish, obviously, and even though they were natives, they got along. And they, they joined their crew. And then eventually these guys ended up on a on George's Island and they got hanged and said to For be haunted. Said to be hanged and said to be haunted by them. Okay, well also so other hauntings in there. That's a, wow, that's a deep I mean I don't want to take a second leave. Okay, heavy. Yeah, that's a good one. There's actually a place called Hangman's Beach uh, in the area. Uh, it's on it's on it's on um, Oak Island, and it's supposed to be haunted near the lighthouse where it, it was haunted by hanged mutineers. Okay, so, so they tried to mutiny, they got, failed. We've got two cases of so hanged they're not pirates. they're probably not very like frightening ghosts. They they're, it's a, they're failed mutineers. Yeah, they're failed ghosts. Like how do you they, they're a bunch of losers. They're trying to for lack of a better phrase. They're a bunch of ghosts fighting for a lost cause. So Navy Island is also believed to be haunted by a whole crew of pirate ghosts. And that's fearsome. Who stand guard over the treasure buried there. Okay. So we've had one excavation, the McGinnis yeah. excavation. Mm. Now we're gonna go like this mis like spoiler, this Can mystery. you give us a recap of what's going on? Right. So yeah, so a young man named William McGinnis uh, in Nova Scotia. Sees on a small remote island one night lights and people activity on the island, mm-hmm. and he goes to it. They explore it. They don't have the equipment to go very deep. But they go thirty feet deep, and they find an anomaly in this of, hole that they find. In this hole they find, yeah, they find a depression and dig there. They yeah. find something that looks like you should dig there, and they yeah, start digging. They find it and they start digging. They they find an anomaly that is about approximately every 10 feet, you know, yeah. give or take a couple inches, mm-hmm. a flat layer of wood, mm-hmm. like laid wood. Yeah. Um, so indicating the, somebody so had, somebody put it there. So they're the digging, big, they're digging, they're digging, they find wood, they bust through the wood. They keep digging. And then they dig, they dig, they dig, and then and they... 10 feet later, they find more wood. They bust, bust through, through that. The they do that for 30 feet. Yeah, that's, um, that's a fucking serious hole to dig. Right? But the, the, the thing is, is like, that proves somebody was there. Yeah, that absolutely. doesn't happen. That doesn't naturally occur. Exactly. Trees grow diagonally in the form of planks. So, folks, after Danny Mc, what's his first name? Mc- again? Daniel McGinnis. I or wait, with- was it, is uh, Daniel? It's Daniel. I work with a guy named Danny McGinnis. What? Ask him if he's related, because we got, we got <laughs> a lot be, to talk about. Yeah, that'd be weird. So anyway, um, there was a next excavation that happened after McGinnis. Um, after McGinnis did that. And whatever treasure might lie beneath that dormant for years um, was was still laid a, dormant. Read. 
<laughs> these notes are not good. So anyway, that, that treasure might have been there for years, but word and rumor soon spread until a group known only as the Shady Onslow Company sailed from distant islands to Oak Island to claim what could be the fortune of a lifetime. So they continued, these people, um, these, um, they dig in the these, same these spot. Onslow Company people, they start digging in the same spot. And they excavate over 90 feet deep past the original 30 feet for a total of 120 feet. Um, they dig consistently and into the night. And they find the same layers of timber every 10 feet down now 120 feet. So, folks, what we have It's actually here, 90s. No, they, they, only, they, they went 90 feet total. Okay. Not. So, whatever. So, folks, either way, what we have here is we have a hole or a depression in the ground that a guy found. He started digging. He found layers of timber. And then a whole company found out about. They want to exploit the situation. They start digging. They find the same wood every 10 feet. And it just keeps going. So according to an account, some and they give up eventually because they just can't. They don't want to go any deeper. We're not going to dig. Exactly. Yeah. They're, 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 they're really they run out of resources. It's a remote island. This is the early 19th century. It's 1805. There's getting food is not easy. There's a lot. We'd, I'm, we're going to go over the story first, but hold on. I've got some ideas. Sure. Okay. So according to an account, some 45 years later. They recovered a large stone, so the company that was digging there recovered a large stone inscribed with symbols um, when they hit the 80-foot mark. Eventually, their mining infrastructure failed them, and the pit flooded up to the 30-foot mark. Um, many brave and incredibly young men died helplessly, with no life preservers or flotation devices, simply because they did not exist yet. One of these men, a man by the name of Carl Moonswacker, cried out for his mother. He said, Mother, help me, please! But no help came. They sunk with the weight of failed plans, shattered dreams, and incredibly muddy clothing. Wow, that is tragic. Powerful. And John, it would actually it would actually not be the last time this mysterious island would claim a treasure hunter's life. That's deep, man. So like what do you what is your take on buried treasure right now? So my take on buried treasure is this. Where is this one in Nova Scotia and how come no one has gone there to claim it in modern? Do you know times? where Nova Scotia is? Canada? So, like, you know Maine. The, the I know where the Maine ca- is. I know where Maine It's on the eastern yeah, coast of Canada. Yeah, it's right there. It's right there. Well, like, really, it kind of, like, Maine's here sticking up over the top. Describe what you're doing. And, no like, okay, so, like, like you've, seen, you've seen a map of America. Uh, Canada, Canadian, our Canadian audience knows. Maine sticks out up to, the, to the northeastern point. The island actually comes down around the southeastern side of the state. Mm-hmm. And is, like, so it's right there. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what you're dealing with. Um, yeah, it's just, so, ah, man, buried treasure is, it's, I feel like the, the idea and concept Mm. cannot be based entirely in fiction. Of course not. It's not based in fiction. Let me put it this way. It's hiding your loot. Fucking bank robbers. Let me put it this way. A beach is a pirate's safe house. So, like, if you're a bank robber and you need to rob a bank, what mm-hmm. do you do? Like, if you have mafia you stash or something, it. you stash it. You go to a safe you house. You got a warehouse, whatever. No find. Yeah. You know where no one will find, like, cash that you need to hide for the time being? It's a fucking desert island. Like, look at it this way. I feel like what... I feel like people think like pirates would just take shit and then bury it. Yar. But what they would do is they were planning on coming back to it. The buried treasure that remains is the buried treasure that no the pirates got fucked up for whatever reason along the way they got busted by the feds, man. 
and then that treasure. Gotta get rid of it quick. That treasure just remains to this day. But honestly, here's what I think about what we're talking about right now. Yeah, please. This does not seem like buried treasure. This seems like a buried structure. You know oh, what I, we are only getting started, my friend. Yeah, I know. This we seems like a buried building of some kind. Because basically, it's crazy that there. this is basically just, okay, to me, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but th- to me, this is just a remote area of the world, and in a period of time where there wasn't that many people there, but there was the technology to go from place to place. You were mobile. You could maneuver. You Word could travel. Wait a minute. Could we be looking at the remains of some sort of lost civilization right now? I don't think it's that. Why? I mean, uh, because none of, there's no real structures. We're not like, we have, there's some, there's a, a pit in the ground that has some anomalies and some proof that humans were there. Want to know what? But it's not like, but it's not a structure you would have built you wanna, for any purpose. Yeah, it is because well, they, no, 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 because what? there's not, it's, think of it as like planks of wood, giant, planks of wood like giant flat sheets of wood suspended in dirt there's no connecting structure there's no pillars that connected to make it some sort of building did they or anything. dig out like out beyond to see if there were yeah like- the radius was something like uh, 27 feet but did they and the, did the pillars end there we'll get to that okay. there were never and there no there were no pillars there's yeah. never anything in between it's as if somebody All dug, I'm saying is it's every- as if somebody dug a giant hole Built whatever treasure they may have buried there, put put dirt on it in this giant thirty some foot wide square whole thing. Put a giant sheet of wood. Put ten feet of more dirt on it. Repeated this process. But that's for- retarded. No one Dude. would do that. It, all you have to do is bury it. Ben, I'm not telling you that this is the smartest mystery we've ever come across or like most logical but this happened i know but here's here's what i think i think why for whatever the reason that they did what they did you know whoever was whoever was the architect of this whoever um dug the giant pit to begin with put the layers of wood on top of each other i think there was rhyme or reason to the rhyme you know what i mean i we're not ben let's say this perspective we're getting we're getting a little too deep exactly so now, well, as we talked about, at the 80-foot mark, they re- recovered a giant slab of stone that they could move and excavate mm-hmm. uh, that had strange symbols on it. Um, the stone is seemingly a very real piece of this entire puzzle. Mm-hmm. The symbols in translation uh, first appeared in a 1940 study, 1949 study by explorer and historian Edward Rowe Snow. Hmm. Good guy, too. He said... He received the set of symbols, like a copy of it, a depiction of them, um, from a professor colleague at Cambridge University, Massachusetts, so up in the area. Mm-hmm. But he was denied an explanation of how his colleague uh, obtained these, and the colleague had since been. How do we deceased. know they're real then? I mean, you don't. You gotta, but you gotta think oh, it's yeah. a scholar, it's a historian. Like he wouldn't, pre- like he's not looking for fame. It's 1949. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, he described it as being kind of less hieroglyphics or, or foreign language and more like Pictionary and more just hmm. symbolism that there isn't like you have to figure it out. There is nothing to base it or compare it to. Hmm. Um, Roe and his colleague believed though, and a, a few other unnamed sort of scholars and people through the years that had claimed to have seen it concede that they believe the translation to be quote forty feet below, two million pounds lie. Buried. Ben, okay. your thoughts. I mean, that... 
had I known this before I gave my spiel beforehand, I would so say... So you jumped the gun, homie. Well, I would need to see the hieroglyphs, but here's the thing. Like, like A, could be getting this entirely wrong, and B, if it actually says two million pounds lied buried, that just sounds like it's two million fucking British dollars lied buried. But... They could be fucking totally wrong, so I need to see more. Let's keep on going. Okay, well, we'll get back to it, but right now, we need to take a word from our first official sponsor. Holy guacamole, John. Do you ever find yourself all alone, late at night in the hot, hot city, and you should be out there mingling with other socialites, finding yourself a mate, someone to take you home and make sweet, sweet romance to you? The truth is, the answer, as you search for it every single day, of why you have not found someone to share your river overflowing love with, the truth is, it's your wardrobe, but also your state of mind. I'm here to tell you that my success in life and love making is derived from none other than Happy Beer, Happy Life. It's a simple brand, a t-shirt brand, but they provide all sorts of products that will enrich your life and give your social life the boost it so desperately craves, thirsts. If you believe in opportunity, second chance, and a life of love for each and every soul out there, then check out Hoppy Beer, Hoppy Life at hoppybeerhoppylife.com, exclusively sponsored and sponsoring Drunk Mysteries. Wishing you all a wonderful night. Thanks, Marcellus. So, folks, there's something we have to cover. It's a little business organization called the Truro Company. Mm. Now, I know, I know you've heard of the Truro Company before, but in, in case you haven't, they were a company that existed in the mid-1800s and um, were known for their dealings of copper, gold, silver, and steel. Mm. So, in 1949, the Truro Company took it upon themselves to go to this Nova Scotia shaft that we've been discussing that was originally... In Oak Island. Th- that was originally dug by um, Danny McInnes. And they decided that there might... And they decided that their best minds thought that there might be treasure there. So, they sent all of their workers and all the workers' men to go and re-excavate Nova Scotia again. Mm. Um, but once they got there... They encountered water upon digging in it, so the hole had flooded. So they were running to these wooden planks again, and there was just fucking water puffing. So the worker, the the workers, um, they decided to start using a auger, which is really just the the eighteen sixty five version of a power drill. It was coal powered, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they decided to use this to try to drill as far as they possibly could down. All they found was clay, bits of wood. But they also found three lengths of a gold chain, which could very well have been evidence of a kind of um, buried treasure of sorts. John, please continue. Now, the Truro Company continued to sink additional nearby shafts into the area, like digging around the larger plot. See what was going on. But these two were inundated with water, and work would cease in the fall of 1850. Other operations would resume from 1858 to 1862, but they would be kind of overshadowed by the fact that a workman was scalded to death by, like, hot water. I don't really know the circumstances. It's 1862, Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Hazy. Hot water's popping out of yeah, your Yeah, like, somebody right. said they were, he died of hot water. I got nothing else. Okay. So, 
what could be described as a sort of a cycle. Uh, the Oak Island Association. What's that, John? It's another mining company that would toss their hat into the ring okay. in the 19th century. So the Oak Island Association, is it an association of mining companies? Or is it just the name of a mining company that happens to end I in the word association? I feel like it's the former, because if you think about it, it's the Oak Island. Uh, named after the uh, named after the island the mystery's on. Of association, course. meaning it's just a loose sort of like, yo, we're all in this together mentality. So it's yeah. a, definitely a bunch of like three to four mining company heads. Have you ever seen the show Survivor? We're not about that right now. Ben, don't distract me right now. Three to four mining company heads that also would like to find some buried treasure on Oakland Island. Yeah. They so divert... All- they divert resources... To this Oak Island, into the Funnel Shell Company, Oak Island Excavation Association. Wow! So what you're saying is this is like an 18 fucking hundreds version of of some kind of power play. The goddamn Goonies is what I'm saying. Oh wow! Yeah. Where's the dead body? It's you know there. Um, so anyway, their strategy, the Oak Island Association, was to dig a side shaft near the original site. Like kind of okay. go in like off to the side, avoid maybe whatever booby traps or curses may be there. Um, a threesome, water. if you will. Yeah, exactly. Um, during the excavation of the new shaft, the bottom of the original shaft collapsed mm. and just flooded again. Nah. Workers began to believe that the shaft and everywhere near the treasure was heavily booby-trapped. Morale dropped to an all-time low when the new shaft, the side shaft, flooded and six brave charismatic, witty, smart, sexually active, STD-free men died. I don't feel like it's inappropriate for us to give a little bit of history about one of those six men. Just to What do you got? Go for it. Okay, so Chad Bennington. Tell the story. Chad. So Chad Chad Bennington. Not Chad Pennington. Chad Bennington. No, not Chad Pennington. Eerily similar names, but now that you bring it up. (laughs) So Chad Bennington. Was not a pirate. He was not. He was not a rich man. But what he was was he was a hardworking man. Mm. He was a man that that only earned the things that he deserved. And honestly, his dream since he was a small boy was to journey to Nova Scotia, journey to Canada. He was born in Great Britain during during the flea fly plague, which is the plague in which all of the most Fearsome African biting bugs descended upon England and caused Everyone a plague like no other. So, I mean, it was fucked up. Tons of people died. But anyway, he gets a job at this association. They send him. They say, listen, Chad Bennington, you're the best of the fucking best, man. Fucking and, asshole. Yeah, and we want you to go help help find treasure that could or could be buried in Nova Scotia and tell us what you find. So he goes. And he digs faster than any man possibly can. I mean, he digs he digs over four feet in five minutes. That's thought to be impossible, wow. but he does it. Wow. And the other thing is, is as soon as they get to the six feet, they all drown to death, including Chad Bennington. And we never know what he could have been. Like, that fucking so, sucks. anyway, after the death of Chad Bennington and a few other, <laughs> five other brave men, the company would abandon their efforts and likely any children that had been conceived with the locals between the, the years about 1961, 1861, excuse me, and 1865. So any children that may have been sort of like impregnated or any women that were impregnated leading to children 
Were no. there any women that were working for this I, mining association? I assume that were impregnated by local men. Well, no, I don't think that. Okay, it's eighteen. It's the eighteen hundreds. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um. Anyway, so here's where things get interesting. Okay. Teddy Roosevelt steps wow. the fuck in and solves everything. So what year are we about? Nineteen oh nine. Captain Henry L. Bowdoin arrived on Oak Island. Who was he, Judd? He's a, a goddamn sea... You don't think I'm going to tell you when you ask me these questions after a fragment of a sentence? No, tell me. No, but I'm going to. Okay. Stop asking me. Go to tell. He arrives on Oak Island in August 1909, representing the Old Gold Salvage Group, and a member of his crew contained none other than a young, spry... Teddy Roosevelt, future, future president, president of the United States of America. Of where? Of America, yeah. John. And John, it, it's funny you mention that because Teddy's crew, Teddy Roosevelt's crew, crew cleared about, cleared out the pit. So they go to this pit and they're there to dig. And they, the deepest anyone has been is ninety feet. Go on. And they clear the pit out to one hundred and twelve feet. And by this time in history, there are divers that are in existence. So they send divers down to investigate. Um, and then they attempt to cut into the base of the earth, but these attempts were unsuccessful. So Teddy Roosevelt and his rowdy group of his crack team of divers and explorers also examined Smith's Cove, a mysterious cove near the base of the um, pit. Island. Yeah, where drain tunnels and a metal piece of ship rigging in a rock had reportedly been seen. Old-fashioned, like they saw, like a... a they saw, excuse me. They saw like a, a like the rigging of a ship. Like yeah. it had been there and like looking seemingly as though it had been there long enough to be encased in something. Yeah. Again, proving somebody. Had been you guys there. were moving through. Somebody times had right been now. there. You know what this is kind of like? This podcast, this particular podcast, Westworld. No, it's a lot like that. There's a fucking Tom Hanks movie where he reincarnates a bunch of times, but it doesn't. Atlas really... shrugged. Something Atlas, Atlas. It's yeah, Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Atlas. There it is. Yeah, there. Cloud Atlas. It's a lot like Cloud Atlas, and I understand if that annoys you because I didn't like that movie. So, actually, you know, I take that back. I was entertained by that movie. So, although the group found remains of um, an un- of an eighteen fifty coffer dam, which is like a dam with a coffer with attached a dick to it. coffin in it. Yes. So, no evidence of anything else was found. Captain Bodan, who was also known as the Young Captain Bodan. Due to his baby face, his short legs, and his butt chin, um, later examined what people called the Stone Cipher in Halifax, which is a rock. It's the rock. Yeah. The one with the Masonic symbols on it. Yeah, it was the rock with the Masonic symbols on it. In the in Halifax and found it at in a base of basalt rock with almost no symbols. I, he was doubtful, and, and I'm doubtful, that this was actually the same rock. Yeah. Because he just been like, there's no way this is the same spot where Given people its got hardness. to. Yeah. So the group would leave the island in November 1909, but Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, would keep up with Oak Island news and developments for most of the rest of his life. Various excavations would continue throughout the 20th century, but the few findings are outnumbered by the lives of brave, handsome, sexually active young men exploring this potentially cursed out. And Young men and women. Actually, in the 19th century, or in the 20th century, we get to the women excavators who also get the opportunity to die 
in in this seemingly cursed cave. Yeah, women excavators and divers. And the important thing about it's them, important. I just want to. It's important to note the the progression of female rights throughout yeah. the mystery of Oak Island. I don't know if they could vote yet in 1909. Nine, uh, not in Dude, things happen. Honestly, the people have kept. I kept it out of the notes because nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. People literally explore that place. Up until 1990, about every 15 years. Okay, so wait. We've like, got. They go in with new okay, technology, so thinking, like, all right, solve, I'm going to be the one. Let's solve this mystery. So we know there was a hole in the ground. and um, Hang on. I wanna, I got, I've got some popular theories that I'll okay. run by you real Fine. quick. So Mar- it could be the hidden location of Marie Antoinette's missing jewels. Hmm. How Marie- would the French have gotten there? Here we go. Marie Antoinette's jewels. Missing, except for the few specimens that they have in, in, in museum collections, have been missing and have been reportedly hidden on the island. In 1789, six years before the McGinnis brothers, uh, their undocumented story claims the beginning, basically saying that around that time, uh, there was the French Revolution. So people were marching on the Palace of Versailles and fucking... Let them eat cake. Yeah, Marie Antoinette go, just sends to a handmaiden, take these jewels, get the fuck out of here, hide them. Hide them in the ground. So eventually that handmaiden flees to London and then Nova Scotia mm-hmm. in six years' time. I mean, how long do you think you'd get to think you'd get to get from like one France... To London on a boat to fucking the in new the world. In the 1700s during the French Revolution? A, yeah, exactly. A while. A while. So in 1794-ish, so she gets to the fucking Canada. So she gets to Canada. She enlists the French Navy in some capacity, the, the French Naval Corps of Engineers, to excavate this area for insanely unreasonable Well, here's the thing. Though, like, she if- buries the jewels there. Go on. Okay, so they would have to be French engineer defectors because... Oh, yeah. Or not know the news. Yeah, or not know the news. I mean, the news was hard to come by because at this point in time, the royal family was not in charge. News fastest travel as you can walk. The French Revolution is a mystery for another day. Yeah, agreed. Anyway, so that's the fucking Marie Antoinette angle. Mm. Masonic artifacts. Mm. Historian Mark Finnan noted that many Masonic markings... By the way, Mark Finnan, also known as the Mustache Mark Finnan, because of his walrus mustache, that by all accounts is less than ideal. Yeah. So he noted that many Masonic markings were found on an Oak Island, on Oak Island, and that the shaft, the namely shaft, and its mysterious contents seem to replicate aspects of the Masonic initiation rite involving a hidden vault with a sacred treasure. Okay. Other identi- others identify parallels between Oak Island accounts and, quote, the secret vault allegory in York Rite Freemasonry, which is a popular book, and they talk about the chase vault on Barbados Isle. Ben, do you think this island is also cursed? Could it have been that, like, if I may speculate well for a moment, that this sort of treasure was seemingly maybe in the 1600s, some pirate or whatever sums up there, he buries cursed treasure. Mm-hmm. And he buries it as deep. He's tormented because I've always wondered, why does a pirate bury their treasure? It's, see, it, it, it's like, a stash house. But the, the thing, but that isn't necessary at this place in time. You're a pirate. If you come upon gold, you're getting rid of it for the things you want as quickly as possible. You're not, yeah, you fucking you're, use you're, it as you're money. Not, 
Yeah, exactly. You're not going to a remote place in Nova Scotia and burying it 150 okay, plus deep. Yeah. You're not burying it 150 plus deep feet underground. So my point is, could this, oh, whatever pirate buried it there, known that it was some evil entity and been like, I am trying to protect those. Because as we know, anyone who tried to seek out this sort of treasure, a lot of people die or fail. Let me ask you this. Do you really think a pirate, a pirate, a person who's sworn kind of modus operandi in life is rob other people to get rich, would actually take it upon himself to protect humanity by taking this real effort of burying something fucking 90 feet underground? I don't think so. You know what it's, I think? It's skeptical. I agree. No, I don't I don't think a pirate has the wherewithal to do that. I think what a pirate thinks, this is a weapon. I'm going to fucking sell it to the highest bidder. What I think happened is this. I think that we have stumbled upon not a buried treasure site, but some sort of ancient structure that was built for purposes unknown that had we all know there was jewels in it of, of some kind. There was mm-hmm, a rock with mm-hmm. weird inscriptions on it. I don't think the people that thought that that translated into two million pounds um, are here are right. I think they were full of shit. I think they made that up because they didn't know what it meant. So, what I know for a fact, folks, and what you can know, because you're listening to Drunk Mysteries, the one podcast that is giving you the truth about the facts that you need to know. I guarantee that that... That, that, that structure is still there, and within it hides the secret to the very answers of life itself. John, Agreed. what do you think? Agreed. I really don't have any more to add. I think add. we solved this. So, so wait, our, we... our sources, and I, I want to go through them real quick, Obvi- as obviously um, Wikipedia, the greatest in every, every all source. Um, uh, we also brought in some other articles. Uh, it's called, quote, The Secret of Oak Island is by Joe Nickel. Joe Nickel, my man. From 2000 in the Skeptical Inquirer. We also talked about some information we brought on from What Lies Beneath, The Deadly Mystery of Oak Island Money Pit, written by Matthew Thompson in 2014, and you can find that on the archive. Um, ben, what's something our listeners should do if they're listening right now? So, the first thing you should do, listeners, is give yourself a pat in the back and a kiss in the cheek, because you, my friends, just listen to a mystery so bold, it's tropical. The other thing you should do, and if you want to do this, It'll be the biggest help you could. I mean, it's it's one good thing you can do today. Spit it out. Just subscribe and review. We'll we'll send you. I'll send you a fucking naked picture of myself if you do. Right. Um, we so would also I want to like, thank. I want to thank uh, Deschutes Beer for their Hop Hinge Imperial IPA. It's good. How good was it? Well, it's better than the other I, Imperial IPA you typically pick up unnamed. Um, but you know, it's um, it's better than that. So I'll say that. Anyway, I guess that's all we've got. So Ben, we'll see you next time on Drunk. Drunk. Mysteries? Mysteries. Mysteries. I'm here with Ben Pateski, my loyal friend, roommate, and also stout believer in the Constitution. That's right, John. I don't only believe in the Constitution, but I actually have tattoos of the Constitution on my body. What are they? Well, one of them says, Constitution. Got some? It's a plan. What's your favorite amendment? I have to say, probably the 14th Amendment. That's a good one. The abolition of slavery. Okay, yeah, um, that's a big I feel one. Like, I agree. And also the Second Amendment, because... I'm not I'm not about to give up my guns to Obama 
who is going to come from beyond the grave and steal them from me for no reason.